Love at First Sight still exists. It's available at your local shelter. This June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hell, I suck at dating. With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey, welcome to Help I Suck at Dating. I'm Jared Haven. We're joined once again by the wonderful, charismatic, and uh, just uh, better in all aspects of life. Uh, we have Kaylin and we have Caroline Lunny, which I pronounced properly this time. There you go. You got it. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. I'm getting better. Uh, and of course, like I said, we have Kaylin on. Everybody knows Kaylin Miller Keys, uh, future wife of Dean Unglert. Uh, <laughs> drama, drama, drama. new headlines starting now no, hell yeah uh that's that's it that's what we like to or, or maybe current wife of dean ungler truly we still don't know if you guys are married or not but we have a wonderful guest uh joining us very shortly uh from the host of the podcast lovers and friends it is intimacy expert shan boudram which is a lot of fun to say she's going to be joining us right uh actually i think she just hopped on shan you there i am here are we well, starting? Welcome. We're starting. We're just going to go right into it. How are you? I'm doing great. There's a box of clothes behind me. I've got to move because, you know, you can't see what it looks like until it's too late. So here we are. So my worst first date nightmare. If it makes but- you feel any better, I threw a bunch of shit in the kitchen. So that way you guys couldn't see it in the back. So I, I was in the same boat. So well, like, at least you did the thing, Caroline. You threw it. Now yeah. mine is literally on it was, display behind but, like, me. It's a mess in the kitchen. <laughs> you know what? Just to make you feel better, I'm going to show you what I did. Oh, God. Here we go. She's taking us on a tour through her kitchen. There it is. Yep. Yeah, there's I all the shit right there. Because I didn't want to be in the back. So just, you know, to keep it real so you feel okay about your box in the back, you're good so to go. That's good to know. Caroline Boxing is the type night. of person that uh, just sweeps everything under hide. the rug. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you got to hide it. Trust me, I do the same thing. I so, just- Shan, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We know that you are an intimacy expert and you've spent many, many years discussing everything from relationships to sex. Uh, you have millions and millions of views on YouTube. Uh, you've been on Netflix and Hulu, ABC. I don't mean to like give your whole bio just right now, uh, but just tell us a little bit about what your passion is in life. Why do you, why you host the podcast lovers and friends, uh, and a little bit of what you do. Oh, I think you just hit the whole thing on the head. My passion. It's always interesting. People are like, we're just trying to see if we align with your brand. I'm like, 
if it's about sex, love, relationships, and dating, yes. If it's not, probably not. So I, I think I'm pretty simple in that way. I just have a passion for connection. I have a passion for intimacy. And in general, it was just kind of the aha that I had after a really shitty teen sex life of why isn't this information more accessible and why is misinformation more accessible, more palatable and consumable than actual good information education. So I saw a need for someone to bridge the gap between sex selling and sex education. And that was back in like 2005 or something um, that I had that aha. And I've been rocking with that same mission ever since. So what got you into it? Cause I, I, I love that you're, I love that you're making sex uh, easier conversation to have it, Cause it needs to, we were actually talking about last time on the podcast about how there is this taboo with a lot of different aspects of relationships, women's bodies, sex relationships. We're just, nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. And they just say things that don't make sense and don't ever actually come to fruition. So how did this start with you? You said you had a shitty teen Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. I'm my own um, best case study that essentially I was somebody who was, you know, some kids are naturally drawn to the piano when they're young. I was just naturally drawn to the human body. I mean, like four or five years old, you know, my Barbies were naked all the time. And I just like loved the body. And I was very fascinated by connection. Um, But unlike the piano, that was not an interest that my parents encouraged. So I definitely went through a lot of shame and repression around my sexuality, which led me as I got older to finding backdoor ways of teaching myself. So when I turned 14 or so, um, I knew I couldn't go to my parents or I went to a Catholic school. I couldn't go there. So to answer the questions I had about what is intimacy and what is sex, I watched a lot of porn. I read a lot of fiction books. I watched TV shows like Gossip Girl and other fiction TV shows. And I thought, aha, this is how it works. This is what I should do. Um, And I essentially threw myself into my intimate life with that as my guidepost. And it took me to several dead ends. And at that point, I was at the fork in the road of, okay, either my parents and my priest and church was right. This is a terrible thing that you should just ignore or else it's going to lead to pain and suffering. Or I have had the wrong teachers. And so why don't I try myself? So I enrolled in a library and I spent an entire summer just reading every book I could about sex from Masters and Johnson's to the Kinsey Institute. And I was like, wow, there's great information here that could have saved me so much heartbreak, so much unnecessary trips to the sexual health clinic um, if I would have had this. However, it's just not sexy. You know, sex ed is not sexy. And um, uh, that's again, because kind of where I had that aha moment of, because I actually was enrolled to go in school into school for journalism that coming September uh, when I turned 19. So that was for me of like, this could be the thing that I talk about. This could be the stories that I share and that I tell. Um, and that's, I'm still rocking with that today. It's so incredibly self-aware of you because you're 18 years old at this point. Yeah, 19, eight, yeah, 19, 19 years yeah, old. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm 31 and just starting to kind of have these conversations with myself. And I just went through a really atrocious breakup and with an abusive boyfriend. And um, it's, it's so I'm now like re-evaluating and looking at everything. And so it's so cool to be that young and to be like, hey, like this, it doesn't work. Something's not right. And to take that initiative is so impressive to me because you're so, you were so young when you started. Well, congratulations on your breakup. That's really Thank huge. Thank you I'm so much. Not enough you. people say that. 
Thank Hell you yes. so much. I want to high five about it because <laughs> yeah. people don't, it, there's this weird shame associated with breakups and it's like, oh, I'm unwanted. And I was like, no, this is great. And so thank you. Not enough people say that because it is a let's congratulate high five about it because. Well, I actually, my episode of my podcast this week, um, which we're charting at number 109 this week, because it's been a really great one. And um, yeah, it's congrats. by Cami Crawford and it's called um, Breakups Are Fun. And Cami just went through a breakup. She's the host of Catfish right now alongside. Another pageant girl. Yes, and the pageant girl. Yeah, and she was just essentially talking about how her breakup, um, she's hoping becomes a breakthrough. And I was just sharing the science behind how this can be one of the most incredible catalysts in people's lives. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, there's kind of this like thought process out there that you have to go through the bad to learn. And I built my career off the premise that you don't have to do that. But the truth is, (laughs) yeah, unfortunately, the reason I got into this space is because of so many negative experiences and getting to that place of rock bottom of like, I have one of two choices, either I stop altogether and quit because it's so terrible, or I find a brand new route that has felt inaccessible to me. So, you know, whether it happens at 31 or happens in 19 or happens at 65, um, hopefully we get to that place where we realize that the information that we're given is not leading us to the life that we want. And then we decided something about it. But hopefully, hopefully the newer generation actually has educators and accessible leaders who that can help them so they don't have to go through those really dark places to find their light. I was going to ask who your typical audience is. Is it, is it people in relationships or single people? Um, I have to do a poll for kind of to see what that is. My, I know my, you know, you, you know, you don't get those stats like on your algorithm stuff. Um, yeah. You know, you get, I know that it's people 25 and up. So it's usually people who are, um, you know, in that place where they're starting to think more mindfully. Cause unfortunately, yeah, when you're in your teens in the younger years, maybe you want to know how to give the best blow jobs or like how condoms work, but like, are you worried about your attachment style at that time? Probably not. Should you be? Absolutely. So uh, 25 to 35 ish. So it's that person who's in that space of trying to find their person and find their groove. Um, and it's probably a mix of, of single and connected people. Cause you know, my podcast ranges in topics and we did dating in your twenties last week and people loved that. Uh, Cause a lot of people are single and going through that period of like, this is nuts but I would hope it's a mix of both. Well, I feel like intimacy is so weird now, especially with the pandemic and like trying to, you know, be intimate and even just, even just meeting people is like so interesting. The pandemic was, you know, hard for so many reasons, but people in my industry, it blew it open. And I don't know if you guys can attest this because you obviously are contributors and educators in this space as well, but it's almost as if, when we stopped worrying about like our Starbucks stamp card and our commute to work and if we're getting a promotion or if our gym membership is serving us, like everything else when that got shut down and all we had was the people in our home, people had to really rethink and all of a sudden they started to prioritize their intimate relationships in a way that they didn't. So I feel like my work and the need for my work went huge. The spike went huge uh, way up as a result of the pandemic. So it changed stuff a lot for daters. And it made things, I think it made things more difficult or more easy, kind of depending on what your style is. Cause some people, the way things were in 2019 was not working for them. So now that things are slowed down and they're much more intentional. Um, and there's a lot more of a focus on getting to know people versus getting to touch people. Some people really benefited from that shift, but I think overall, everybody rethought their intimate relationships in a way they hadn't before. I also think that's probably pretty evident from how many like relationship podcasts that have like sparked in the past little bit. Um, so I think it's, it's all in all been 
pretty good for people reprioritizing relationships. Yeah, it shook it up in a way that we clearly needed. How did we get here? Why did sex become such a taboo thing to talk about? I thought you were asking about the pandemic, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did on? this pandemic begin? <laughs> Tell us. We know you have the answer. Yeah. <laughs> This is where I started spinning all my crazy um, conspiracy theories. So I'm sorry, I, I got lost on Wuhan. What was your, what were you actually going with this question? I wanted to know how you do you think that we got here with sex being such a taboo conversation to have? Man, I mean, I would like to think altruistically, like when I think about the Bible, right? Like why in the Bible is it promoted to wait for sex until marriage? And why is it promoted not to have multiple partners, not to touch yourself, not to masturbate? And I think that healthcare access is a big part of that. So, you know, that many years ago, there, there probably wasn't a systematic healthcare practice that there was as like one person in the city. And so people having multiple partners and there was no birth control. So people having children out of wedlock where they couldn't support that child and getting several venereal diseases that obviously probably wasn't ideal for like society's progress. So I think creating a belief system that, hey, like if you abstain from sex and make smarter choices and, you know, as much as marriage isn't like a cure-all for not getting a STD, but it does also also ensure you have two parents who are like hopefully equally prioritized and child-rearing. So I, I understand it from that perspective that it actually was a solution to a world that didn't have birth control and didn't have healthcare and probably didn't have as much information or knowledge around sex in general. And, I, and then I just think people got weird with it. I don't know, just became some yeah, Puritan. And um, it twisted into something that was about control and shame and fear. But I'd like to think that it started out of a place of altruism. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes, and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois, and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois, and my life has never been the same, and I love her so much, and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just and a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I, I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and, and the great life that you're giving them. 
Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive, June 7th to 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black lead products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black lead brand, we make room for another black lead brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies. The list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I also like to think about it's like encouraging connection also it's like you know because obviously sex feels good so if we were all just kind of running around like with everybody it's kind of again you're lacking that intimacy if you're just kind of going out and fucking everything that walks it's nice to have that like kind of moment where you go oh hey wait a minute let's not just you know think with our our downstairs let's you know work on this intimacy and develop this connection so maybe I mean, I agree with what you're saying at the time, it probably made the most sense, but obviously that doesn't really, it doesn't work for us anymore. But again, rather than just sleeping with everybody, just kind of focusing again on that intimacy and connecting with people. Yeah. One of the greatest things I think that I get to do is the study of science and sex and love is so fascinating. And, you know, what we know now is a difference between like a sex drive and a romantic drive. And there's a difference between obviously lust and love and passionate um, experiences and companionate experiences. So it's very possible to separate sexuality from emotional intimacy, uh, but they're coupled together in a way to support evolutionary function. But if you are aware of that, you can like decouple them kind of like how our addiction to sugar or our draw to sugar is, is based on like evolutionary merit because you know, if you're out there in the wild and you eat something sweet, very few things are poisonous that are sweet. So your body's like more, 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 more. Obviously now that doesn't really work when like Snickers are on deck in 2022. So we have to now decouple our like natural drive for sugar with like what our actual biological needs are. So that to be said, I think it's very, that was a very heady way of me saying like, yeah, tens of thousands of people, as long as you're very well aware of how to decouple emotional connections from that, because, you know, doing both can be very damaging unless you're in a very mature polyamorous relationship. And then furthermore, that you have the ability to uh, ethically choose partners who are able to do the same so that people are not having sex at the cost of their mental health. So how do we change? How do we make things better? 
you know, you're doing, you know, <laughs> well, my question is because you even said that a lot of your demographic is 25 and up, but you know, as someone like even my own experiences as being a guy, being friends with guys, a lot of what I learned about sex was also from porn, which I don't think is the best thing. I'm not anti-porn, but I am also anti-learning how to have sex from porn because then there's certain expectations and, and both men and women feel like they should be, um, you know, reaching a certain level of satisfaction that's probably not realistic, uh, definitely not realistic. So I, I, I think... You know, and then there's also like the addiction part of porn, which is a different conversation. But I guess my question is, what do we do? Because I think that there has to be conversations had with the younger generation. But how do you how do you blend that together with being not overly um, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I, I just could imagine a lot of parents not wanting to have to have their kids go to school and have conversations like this. But also, I think it might be needed, especially in teenage years where those hormones start you know, coming full, full scale. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is necessary. It is a challenge. I started in this space at 19. I'm 36 now. So I think it needs to be a younger person than me. You know, if you're going to, it's about peer education and having somebody who's got like a relative knowledge or who's within the school system or has a kid around that age. Like you have to immerse yourself in the experiences of what it's like to be young growing up today and sexual and aware of how to talk their language and also meet them where they're at right now. So I think it takes that special expertise, number one. And number two, yeah, when I did work more predominantly with teens and younger people, like my first book laid came out in 2009 and that book was for people under 24. Like I was very clear that like, if you're over 24, I don't want to hear from you. And like, I'm not interested in your perspective. And also like, this is who this is for. Um, it was hard, man. Like there's so much more judgment. You have to be very cautious of the language you use. You have to be very cautious of the topics you talk about when you get parents involved. And then, you know, ultimately I started, I don't know about yourself, but I started watching porn at like 13, 14, but you're supposed to pretend that nobody's sexual until 18. So it's difficult to access that crowd uh, because parents are still like under the illusion that their kids are pure. So it's very difficult to get into the teen education space. And to those people who are doing it now and doing a good job, like kudos to you. Cause you gotta really like, you know, in those movies where you break into a bank and there's all these like lasers and you have to like jump in between them to like make it to the other side. Like to actually make an impact, I think in that space, there's a lot that you have to arm yourself with both education wise, but then also like censorship because you have to tread that line so carefully. It's funny that you bring this topic up because I literally was having a kind of conversation with myself yesterday. Um, so Shan, I'm in the middle of doing fertility treatments and I'm freezing my eggs and I kind of, I, congratulations I, again, look at you making all these great everything. choices for your life, uh, trying to, um, but so in, in going through it, 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 you know, I think about being a parent a lot and like the conversations and something popped in my head yesterday, like, oh my God, one day I have to give a sex talk. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, cause you never know. And it, then it, it, for a second, it was like scary to be like, oh, shit, that, that's a big deal. And then I thought about it, like how my mom gave me, you know, the sex talk. She and my dad waited until they were married and blah, blah, blah. And she was just a liar. <laughs> like she just lied to me. And she was a big fat liar. And she <laughs> things in her past that I wish she had told me because it would have one made me feel like I could have gone to her with more. And two, like I would have, I think that there was just so much shame associated with it. And like, you were the same as me. <laughs> like why? And so I think yeah, you like, hypocrite. 
yeah, like what the <laughs> hell? And so it's just so funny that this gets brought up now because I was thinking about, you know, the way I want to approach these conversations. And I think it's so important to be honest with your kids because let's be real, like how old were you when you lost your virginity? And you're trying to ask your kid to wait longer than you. And it's like, I don't know. I've been watching 1883. I don't know if you guys are watching that. It's fantastic. Highly recommend, but it's just, it's cool to watch the way that they parent their daughter in that show. And they give her so much trust and responsibility because, you know, it is your, your child. So, you know, you obviously want to shield them and protect them. Um, but having these open conversations and, with them and treating them like an adult and like the adult that you thought you were at that age, I think is helpful. I think it's just kind of creates this open space to have this dialogue and where your kids can come to you and have these conversations and just be like, Hey, I don't know. I don't have all the right answers, but this is what happened to me. And here's what I learned from that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you can make these decisions for yourself. And I, I can't be the one to make that choice for you. I can't tell you what is the right age to lose your virginity, but I hope that you can make that choice and make it. And don't, it's not something that you take lightly. And so I just think parents need to be having more honest conversations and being real with our kids about, Hey, um, I was 15, eh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had the exact same experience with my mom where it was like, how am I supposed to tell the person, you know, who waited until marriage and was in love. And it was like the perfect person. My mom, you know, it did a bit different from you. She had one partner before my dad, but that was like her long-term high school sweetheart. Of course, to your point later on, I found out that there was a couple one night stands in there that we forgot to mention, but how am I supposed to tell this person who did everything so perfectly that like, Hey, I'm having sex with carrots. Is that normal? Right. That didn't feel like a very accessible conversation. So I, I love what you just said about being honest and also to acknowledging that it's not the sex talk. It's the conversation, right? Like I have a one-year-old daughter and if she, you know, is around her, her uh, genital region, I'm like vulva, vulva. So, you know, you're providing the language right away. And then it, it's built into just a part of your natural dynamic. It doesn't have to become this thing that like we've never discussed and now you're 20. So like, let's try to get this right in one shot. If you're just naturally always bringing it up as an age appropriate thing and it's, you know, organic to your relationship, I think that people would find that it's not this daunting, overwhelming thing. And you don't have to think about when to bring things up. Things will naturally present. This parent said to me, which I always think about and loved is that they watched Grey's Anatomy with their kid, which is that show, you know, has been on probably since many people. Eight, I think born. they're like their 18th season or something. Yeah. I so am like, still watching it. <laughs> <laughs> but she said that they watch that religiously. And that has, that's the sex education because every time something happens in the show, she has a personal story or she asks questions that's like inspired so many conversations between them. But again, it becomes this ongoing dynamic and a part of the way that the two of you communicate. So it doesn't feel weird or unnatural. And I love what you said, because it's completely normal to be like, I don't have the answers to that. But, you know, we talk about the softens next time. I will. I'll look it up for you. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois and my life has never been the same and I love her so much and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. 
Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we, we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And, and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I, I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and, and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive, June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black lead products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black lead brand, we make room for another black lead brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing Black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies, the list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We think that like to be a parent, you have to like have all the answers and you have to shield them from everything. You have to know everything. You're like, I don't know what it like. I, I looked at my mom again, this all stemmed from watching 1883. And I looked at my mom in this new light recently. Cause again, there's just this amazing dynamic with this show. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. You should watch. Um, but like looking at my mom as this person who is not like all the way grown and knowing has all the answers and all the things like she's just a kid too she just happens to be 62 like she doesn't know what she's doing and she's just she's still like she's just me figuring it out but like later on in life like you know what I mean she's not I don't know it's just a cool dynamic to like see your parent in this new light and you're like oh you didn't know what you were doing and also my grandmother gave my mom the sex talk on uh, the night before her wedding and my mom's like no, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, so they've been raised by a completely different generation 
And so I think it's uh, important for us, like moving forward, you know, with our kids down the line, just to change that because, you know, they got this weird sex talk the night before their wedding, (laughs) which isn't, isn't realistic. And so I guess that's the kind of cool thing with us and all this means of communication that we can be like, I don't know, more comfortable talking about it. I don't know. Yeah. I think what's changing too massively is like, I think for the older generation, there was this idea of like, don't bring up your imperfections. Don't talk about the fact that you drink at your job, hide your tattoos. Like you had to compartmentalize everything about yourself to the point. If you were LGBTQ plus, like don't let anybody know. And now we live in this place of like expression like bring your whole self to everything that you do. Like your job should know that you have a neck tattoo and your, um, your partner should know, like, you know, all parts of yourself. You don't have to create all these like siloed versions of you. And I know that when I first started as an educator, my parents were like, you're way too raw. Like people want to see perfection. They want to see Oprah. They want to look at you as aspiration. Like you have everything together. So the fact that you're sharing your mistakes or that you're swearing or you're not always polished, like you're never going to gain people's respect that way. And I was like, your people's respect. You know, I come from a different generation, (laughs) right? Which likes authenticity. And so it's about, again, bringing your full self to things, which as we know, is also healthier for a true intimate relationship. I think there's a lot of shifts that are happening generation to generation. It's happening with Gen Z. Gen Z are so much more sexually fluid. They're so much more aware of their kinks. They're so much more comfortable talking about consent than millennials were. And so it it continues to get better in that realm. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Those are two things. It's funny you bring that up, like about kinks and stuff, because I, my last relationship, he was like, what are your things? And I was like, am I supposed to have things? Like, and I just don't like, and it's, it's funny that like knowing to like, how to explore that side of yourself. And then also like the boundary with consent. There's so many times I was just like, oh, we're here. <laughs> like, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> like, and it's just, I, I, I love that they're having this conversation where they feel comfortable to, you know, have their boundaries and their things like that. I will, I, uh, I guess I don't have things. I'm very boring. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you have things and you should spend some time. Um, no, I'm kidding. You find out what your things are. There we go. I'm right? kidding. I have yeah. things. What oh, what are your things? Let's, let's, let's have it, you know, in the spirit of authenticity and openness, Jared, what are your things? Uh, I've taught, so I'm married. And uh, so that's my cake. <laughs> uh, that's definitely my kink. Uh, so Ashley and I, yeah, she, um, Man, it's weird talking about this. I guess we, might, I mean, I talk about it sometimes. But... It helps no eye contact. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, I definitely, but also I, God, this is my. <laughs> we put you on the spot. This is when you need Dean on the podcast because Dean will talk about anything. I know. Well, here's he was the, he... here. What would Dean talk about? That's what I keep trying to think because I'm so, I don't know why I'm so uncomfortable with sex. I think it's because I grew up in a very Christian household and I'm like hearing you guys talk about it. And I'm like, I don't know why I feel like. I can't talk about that. And I think it is like the Christian aspect, but so I'm like, what would Dean say? What would Dean say? And he'd probably just say something like super ridiculous, like he always does, but I just, I can't think of what it would be. I think, well, like, all right. It's hard to talk about because it's, it's so weird to be vulnerable in this status. Like even saying, like we talked about a lot of what I learned about sex was through porn. So like through, through watching porn, like I like to be a little bit more, aggressive and so that was something that you know my it's so weird to talk about but my <laughs> wife was a virgin for a very large portion of her life and so it was sex was was different for us you know and so it was 
honestly a little bit of a learning curve. Like it was always really good, but there were, there were, you know, we had to kind of learn each other's bodies a little bit. And, um, and so I get, yeah, one of my kinks is definitely like, yeah, I, I, you know, she may have, you know, been, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out a little bit here. So I feel like one of mine that I've discovered is I like someone to be a little bit possessive in the bedroom, but like, if you take that shit outside of the bedroom and you try and tell me what to do, I'm going to punch you in the face. Not actually, oh, yeah. but metaphorically. <laughs> oh, totally. Isn't it so like, I can have, we can have this conversation. Isn't it so funny how like, sometimes you do things behind closed doors and then, you know, consensual and then you leave and you're like, I cannot believe we just said or did that. Like, that's crazy. It's so funny the way that this like kind of um, like drunk thing comes over you and you're just like, I'm just saying things and I don't know why I'm saying them, but they're happening. (laughs) That's the thing, the the point of great sex, right? Because in everything else in life, we have to be so buttoned up and so aware. Um, I read this book, it's called The Mastery of Love. And it just talks about humans being domesticated like from the time that we're two, right? Like if you want to go in public and spin in a circle, don't. If you want to yell because you're on an airplane, you're frustrated, don't. Like everything that we do is so conditioned. And so we get this one place in theory where we're supposed to be able just to be authentic and live in the moment and be expressive and make faces we don't get to make usually and make sounds we don't get to make and bring up desires and you know things that we've been repressing for so long. And hopefully if you are a well-adjusted person, you go to therapy, your desires are not you know offensive or harmful to other people, but there's in it's beautiful form. Yeah. It is like the ultimate release and the ultimate expression of self and of freedom when you can get to that place in sex. And I think that that's what we're all trying to get to. So I actually have a personal question for you. So I was in an abusive relationship. Um, he never physically hit me, but there was sexual abuse and there was, um, just a lot of emotional abuse and I am physically incapable of being like the idea of being with anybody else is like really, really hard. And like, how do you get past that? How do you, like, I, I, I haven't even, I can't go on a date. I haven't been kissed in since 2020. Like I, how do you move past that? Like, how do you get past that point where like, it's, it feels so terrifying to be vulnerable and intimate with somebody and just to let somebody else in. Like, how do you, how do you get past that? Well, first and foremost, I'm so sorry you went through that. And that is, so beautiful of you to share. So many people can relate to that and, you know, are afraid to say exactly what you just said. So I'm sure it took a lot of time and healing to even get to a place where you can name it and claim it for what it is without blaming yourself. Um, so I think that that's really beautiful and inspiring. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I think uh, if the idea of being with somebody else is too scary, like what's not too scary is going on a chat room, the VR chat room as an alias and just talking to people and talking some shit. Is that scary? Then do that. Is going to your friend out with your friends as a wing person where it's not for you, but you got a single friend that you're like, I'm going to try to like talk to different groups to like get you socialized, see if you like anybody. So I'm your wing person. It's not for me. If that's not scary, do that. Like find, meet yourself where you are. You don't have to try to push yourself past the place of comfort because you won't even show up as the best version of yourself. You've put yourself in fight or flight. So you're not doing yourself any favors by being like, just do it. Um, Instead, (laughs) think about like, what is the next step for you that does seem accessible? Whatever it is that allows you to get into the flow and gain the confidence. And I don't know your specific 
pain point is or where your boundary is of fear. Um, but I think if you can locate that for yourself of like, what I'm afraid of is falling in love again, or I'm afraid of meeting another terrible person. I'm afraid everybody's negative kind of figure out what that fear is and then identify what is the most accessible, logical way for you not to step into that new, you know, you, but to tiptoe, I think that that's where you meet yourself. It literally makes me shake. Like I'm like sitting here, like, and it's like, it is what it is and it sucks that it happened. And I definitely think it like has made me stronger, but it's, it's hard to be like wanting to move forward and take that step to like, like, I want to just be healed and done with it and whatever. And it's, I, and I, I had therapy yesterday and she reminded me that I'm still very much actively in my trauma. Um, and so that kind of helps because I was like, why don't I want to date? Like, what's my problem? Like, why, like, and well, like, why can't I get there? And she's just like, you don't need to be there right now. But I love the idea of, like, of kind of like walk, like visualizing, like what it will be like when I get back into it. So I was like, what do I do? So that's a good idea. Just kind of be a wingman for somebody and just kind of take the pressure off myself. I'm sure even doing this podcast is probably a step in the great right direction. Like you're meeting new people. Hey, this is a first date, right? Like, I don't know you guys, you don't know me. We don't have like any ideas. It's a little uncomfortable. We're coming together and trying to pretend that we're all best friends for 40 minutes. So there's a challenge with that, but that's what dating is. So you're kind of putting yourself back into that groove and then also being like, wow, there's a lot of really interesting, cool people who I feel like I can share parts of myself that I couldn't share with the part, person I was with for years because I was afraid of them. And I was afraid of who, how they would respond to the authentic me. So I think you're already doing that, you know, right step. And if you kind of reframe your mind to like, everything is intimacy, right? Like majority of things are about close personal relationships, just building that confidence up again. Um, but yeah, you're obviously already well on your way because you have a therapist and you have all these incredible like aha moments that you're able to share so vocally and you're literally a public figure who talks That's about dating like, for a living. Share it vocally, but then actually putting the action is like, ah! <laughs> you know? get there, right? I'm sure share, talking about it vocally a couple of years ago felt crazy to you too. True, 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 true. Well, Shan, thank you so much for joining us today. That was awesome. And Caroline, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, that was probably pretty difficult. So uh, Shan Boudram, make sure you check out our podcast, Ooh. Lovers and Friends. You can listen to wherever you listen to your podcast. Number 109 right now and rising. Hey, uh, you said uh, from your lips to the charts, baby. Yes, <laughs> yeah. thank you. <laughs> well, Shan, you were awesome. Thank you so much for your for uh, a lot yeah. of knowledge that you, you spread on this podcast and on your own. So everybody go listen to Lovers and Friends with Shan Boudram. Uh, and thanks again. Please come back soon. I'm going to go get your book too. I'm excited. Oh, I appreciate that. The Game of Zara is also my heart. Um, this was a joy. Talk soon, you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. That'll do it for this week's podcast. Once again, go listen to Shan Boudrams. I just like saying her name. Podcast for Lovers and Friends. Uh, you can listen to that wherever you're probably listening to this podcast right now. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Once again, you are such a joy. Kaylin, thank you so much for uh, joining us and uh, filling in in Dean's shoes. Uh, but it's always wonderful having you on this podcast and seeing your face. So thank you so much. Uh, and everybody listening, thank you for listening because without you guys, uh, there would be no podcast. Uh, and please tune in next week where hopefully we uh, all suck a little less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to celebrate Black History Month. 
at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. On Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you can celebrate an extra day of Black History Month with Walmart. This event is free and open to the public at two locations, Flatiron Plaza in New York City and Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's the perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free, it's for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. Love at First Sight still exists. It's available at your local shelter. This June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 